This is the Sibling Library Podcast. You will know when to start listening when you hear the chimes ring like this. Let's begin now. Welcome to Sibling Library, the podcast where we read, share, and repeat. Happy birthday month, you guys. Happy Happy birthday birthday month. It is, we are recording on Julia's actual birthday, but um, Katie, Julia, and I are all born in the first two weeks of April, so it's a a big month around here for us. Did you guys feel like you had good birthdays? Yeah. Yeah. We kind of... uh, it was the first time since the pandemic that we've been able to really celebrate. So we made a whole weekend out of it. I feel like usually we take our birthdays and celebrate them all at once, but we spread it out this time and it was kind of fun. It was. Got to yeah. spend some time out. Of course it was. <laughs> Julia has the best ideas. Yep. Shh, don't tell her. <laughs> she already knows. Yeah, I'm the one that said it. Um, So this month we've got some fun stuff to talk about. Uh, The main part of our discussion is going to be around the wonderful author Amy Tan. But before we get into that, we have a roundup. um, And the question we're answering today is, if you could get any gift from something in a book that you've read as a birthday present, what would you want? I have always wanted Turkish Delight from The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. That's my answer. Nice. Don't know if I'd like it. But you want to try it? Don't know exactly what it is, but if it's sugar, I'm down. Are you sure there's sugar? Maybe there's turkeys. Maybe it's chewy turkey. I'll try it. That's my answer. I'm sticking to it. All right. Do you have an answer, Kate? Nope. I need help. <laughs> okay. Well, well, I have an answer, so maybe you'll think of something while I am okay. yes, answering. Um, from the Unicorn Chronicles, I would want one of the Queen's amulets so that I could travel into and out of luster whenever I want. Pretty good. Pretty good. Mm-hmm. I would like to have the mirror of Erised so it could tell me exactly what I want because I have no idea and I'm very indecisive. Okay, well, great answers all around. Chime. <laughs> <laughs> so for this month, uh, we had the amazing opportunity to go see Amy Tan uh, speak at uh, the Vacaville Performing Arts Theater. Um, it, it was a Solano County Public Library event that I believe had been rescheduled several times. Um, it was originally supposed to happen in 2020, so makes sense why it was rescheduled so many times, but we were lucky enough to be able to get tickets to go see that. Um, did uh, anybody want to give like a a synopsis, and then we can g- kind of discuss what what our takeaways were. Okay, he's the synopsizer. Um, I'm looking back over my notes from the event, and uh, 
really, she just came out and and there was a, a moderator who asked her some questions about her life and her process and the sorts of things that she's doing now. Um, and she, you know, I, I didn't really know anything about her prior to going to this event. I don't know if either of you had read up on her or done any research on her prior to that, but I, I went into it knowing nothing and found her a very compelling and interesting speaker. Um, a lot of her perspectives and the way that she looks at writing and her approach to writing were very interesting to me. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, there's not really a way to synopsize this because it wasn't really a like a chronological thing. You know, it was just she spoke a lot about her her life again and and the way that she creates characters and and her experience as she is writing. She did read um, an excerpt from Where the Past Begins, which is uh, her memoir. Uh, Where the Past Begins, Memory and Imagination is the full title of it. And it's it's her memoir. And a lot of what she spoke about is is also in the memoir, um, which is the book that I picked up from the event. All three of us took one from it and decided to we would read it and talk about it today. So that was the one that I chose. And it was has a lot of the same information that she talked about during the event, which is, is really interesting. Yeah, that was a great synopsis, Katie. Well done. Um, do we want to talk about which books we each purchased or do we want to uh, talk more about, I guess let's do our takeaways from um, from the event that we went to see. Um, something that I noticed about her was that she, I feel like she was grace embodied. Like she was just very eloquent in the way that she spoke and it was all a conversation and I didn't get the impression that she had been given the questions beforehand. So it was just a very natural conversation and she was um, poetic in the way she was able to speak and the way she moved. And she was very, I guess, just graceful. And I was very, I was enthralled watching her just talk. Did you guys feel any of that too? I did. Yeah. Um, like you said, she was very eloquent. This clearly wasn't the first time she was put into this kind of situation. She's been doing this for decades at this point, and it comes across that what that way. Um, something she said at the beginning, which is something that she lives by, is that uh, she loves a lot, she lives intently, and she learns, um, and she always strives to learn something new, which is just a good way to live mm -hmm. so she set the tone right off the bat that yeah she's uh she knows what she's doing and she knows where she's going and it's all good yeah yeah I would agree with with both of your impressions of it in terms of the way she presented herself and she really pulled me in uh, as a listener to what she was saying because she just she answered the questions just at her own pace um, and, and very, very much like a storyteller. You know, she she had a way of articulating and, um, you know, pulling a lot of imagery into the way that she spoke. And um, she I think that was one of the things I remembered about it was she talked about um, 
you know, how she uses imagery in her writing, but also that's just something that she naturally uses to understand and process information. She told a story about going to some sort of a party at some point where all of the brightest minds were invited uh, to this. And she was talking with some sort of a scientist who I think was working on, was it the cure for AIDS? Do the two of you remember or the, the medicine for AIDS? And he explained it to her and she, you know, in order to make sure she knew she understood what he was saying, she said back to him, Oh, it's like, it's like throwing oil over a ship so that pirates will slip if they try to get onto the ship, if they try to take, if they try to commandeer it. And the scientist just kind of looked at her like she had five heads and said, well, yes, but what in the world made you think of that? But it's just the way her brain works. And you can really see how that would lend itself to telling a story and being able to paint a picture without actual pictures. So I, I, that really jumped out at me uh, about her and and what why that makes her such a good writer, at least part at least in part. Yeah, she did have, uh, she spoke with many beautiful metaphors and similes, and it seems kind of like that's where she's wanting to move towards with her career, with the the next thing that she's going to be publishing is a, a like a the birds of her backyard, right? Yeah. She's drawing pictures of them, and then is she writing stories or descriptions or poems? I'm not entirely sure what the writing portion is going to be, but it sounds fascinating. It's, yeah, she definitely. calls it nature journaling is what she calls it, which I, I think is largely just drawing. Um, and she's, she talks a little bit about it in uh, her memoir, as well as in the, the documentary that I think Julie and I watched. Megan, did you get to watch it? No, I haven't no. watched it yet. Um, but she goes into it a little bit is in, in the sense that I think she looks at the drawing as, as a type of writing because she, in order to draw the birds, she has to feel like she's empathizing with them and and becoming them um so i don't i don't think she's writing stories per se to go along with them i think there's some information that she's writing about them but um interesting she has a a mentor for this and i think the mentor is like 16 years old or something like that yeah, she's a, a really young mentor a teenager mm-hmm We each purchased one of her books, and we were lucky enough to get in line early enough to be able to get her to sign those books. So we had a very brief uh, interaction with her, which was re- really cool. Um, I purchased The Kitchen God's Wife. And what did you guys get again? I got The Joy Luck Club. And I got her memoir, Where the Past Begins, Memory and Imagination. Um, and did I finished mine, Julia, you finished yours and Katie, you're almost done with yours. Right. So, but we're good to yeah. talk about them. I think, Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Okay. I, mine's not a story in the sense that, you know, it's, I'm working my way through it. So. Yeah. Mine was a, like a novel. It was a story, um, that had one clear kind of story arc well I guess maybe not just one it started off the first couple chapters were about who I thought the main character was going to be but then it ended up being um that the main character was her mom um 
and the the daughter was keeping a secret from her mom and found out that her mom was keeping way more secrets from her. So, like, the story became the mom telling her daughter the story of her life, which was not anything that the daughter expected. And by the end of it, um, obviously, whenever somebody tells you their life story, you're able to understand them at a personal level much more so than before you knew their story. Um but it was it was really good. I listened to it mostly, um, so I didn't catch as many of the metaphors as I think I would have had I actually read it um, uh, like normally rather than listened to it. But it was uh, it was a hard listen, but it was really well really well put together. Um, yeah, great synopsisizing. <laughs> Was there anything from the book that you picked up on as a parallel or or something from her talk that you recognized as, oh, this is this makes sense because this was something that she talked about? Um, well, just a, a couple things. Yeah, there is a lot of she had an interesting relationship with her mother. So I think that's a common theme with. I don't know if with all of her stories, but with many of her stories, um, there's a usually a pretty uh, interesting relationship between mother and daughter. But um, something else that I don't know if this was purposeful, but uh, she said in her talk that she was heavily influenced by reading um, traditional fairy tales as a child. Um, and we had our a long discussion about fairy tales on our last episode and something that we had kind of picked up on in spinning straw into gold was that in the original fairy tales the the female character wasn't just saved by the fairy godmother or by the prince it was that she had to kind of ask to be saved or she had to declare that she was ready to save herself or to move out of whatever the challenge or struggle was that she was in and that was something that i actually did see in the story was that the the mother who was telling her story, um, she was in a very abusive marriage um, and she wasn't able to, or her, her prince, her savior, I guess, didn't present himself until she was ready to, to get out of her abusive marriage. Um, so I thought that was kind of interesting that it wasn't like, because she had met that guy, the guy that she ended up with, earlier in the story but she wasn't mentally ready to free herself from her abusive marriage and then once she was ready to free herself like that guy came back for her so it's not really a spoiler but maybe a little bit of a spoiler did either of you guys see any parallels between what she said in her talk and what you guys read well i'll, I'll go last because i I'm reading her memoir, so yes, there's a lot that's very similar. So I'll let, I'll let Julia go, and then I'll kind of finish up on, on the other side. Uh, well, definitely for the Joy Luck Club, which I believe was also her first book, aside from the business writing she did, which I thought was quite interesting, that she started writing, like, computer manuals and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Like, who would, A, want that job? <laughs> And B, think that somebody that writes so eloquently and so just effortlessly 
would have started writing that kind of stuff, but paid the bills, I guess. And um, she said it was her first bestseller. Right. <laughs> it was an IBM <laughs> book, right? Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. Um, but definitely what Megan was saying that the relationship, the mother daughter relationship, um, that definitely plays a big part in the joy luck club, um, which I thought was interesting. And just even some of the things that she was talking about, how she and her mother just didn't really get along when she was growing up, which was kind of like a fight between the traditional Chinese culture and what she was growing up as, as an American, a Chinese American woman, um, those two things kind of don't go together at all, um, which is very much what the Joy Luck Club is about um, for Chinese women who immigrated to San Francisco in 1949. Um, they started meeting together um, to play mahjong and um, just kind of talk about keep their Chinese memories and stories alive. And as they have daughters um all the daughters come and um join these meetings as well um but i wasn't expecting it to be kind of more vignettes i thought it was going to be a more cohesive story um so i wasn't expecting all these different pieces like they all went together because they were all part of the joy luck club but um i thought it was just going to be a continuous story but it wasn't but yeah it was was very interesting and I would be interested to see what you guys think about it. I haven't seen I've never seen the movie and I had never read the book so I'm interested to watch the movie at this point um but yeah just that struggle between their mothers grew up very differently than the daughters did and in many cases that causes a lot of um tension strife um just hard to relate to each other because all the moms are like, you have to do what I say. You have to do it this way. And that's not necessarily how daughters are in America. <laughs> yeah, I, I would agree. I'm just kind of listening to both of your descriptions of the stories and some of the themes that came out of it. You can really see how the things that happened in her life and in the history of her family contributed to those stories because as we as you both mentioned a couple of times her relationship to her mother was was very complicated and the the Netflix documentary well it, it's a PBS documentary but it's on Netflix is Amy Tan Unintended Memoir uh, has a lot of similar information in it as her talk did as well as her memoir. And I mean, if you think about her family, you know, she's, she's a 70 something now. Her grandmother was of the, you know, the, the generation of foot binding and, you know, multiple wives in, in China, as was her mother. And so those, those women came from a very different situation where I think, in, in her memoir, she writes that it was one in four women wound up committing suicide because they did not have control over their lives. They did not have the choice in choosing a partner and doing any of these things. And her mother was someone who 
was really courageous in getting out of the situation she was in to marry the the man that she loved, but she still had all of this trauma associated with kind of an incredible story. I won't go too too deep into it. Um, That was an incredible story about how her parents got together. Yeah. Yeah. It, it really was. And Megan, the yearbook, um, can you repeat the title of it? The kitchen God's wife. The Kitchen God's Wife, where you, you said that a lot of it is is her listening to her mother just talk about her life and tell her, her life story. That was that was really the point in time when her relationship and in, in her real life with her mother shifted was when she kind of just accepted like, okay, this is who my mother is. She's got a lot of baggage. She's got a lot of trauma that creates, you know, some mental health issues for her and this was after the passing of her father and her brother who who both passed within six months of each other, both from brain tumors. So for the, their family to go through that and for her to realize, you know, my mom and I have this strained relationship, but she's she's all I've got. She had a, she had another brother as well. So the three of them were all they had left. Um, but she finally just accepted, you know, yes, we're very different people, but who she is is a very big part of me and I just, I want to understand her. So she just started to listen to her and ask her questions and no longer fought back and forth about, you know, like their views or their perspectives. All she did was listen and their relationship totally changed. She started recording their conversations, recording her, her stories that she was telling her. And as her mother started to read her books, she felt really important that she was helping her put these stories out there and that people were understanding what that experience was like. So she would, she would call her, you know, and, and just, she'd have a thought of a memory and she would call Amy and talk to her for like a couple hours and just, you know, tell her these things. And, uh, she just, she felt very, I think she felt valued. I think she felt seen. And I think she finally felt understood by her daughter who grew up in such a very different environment. So I think that's that's pretty beautiful. Yeah. I agree. Any other thoughts or comments on Amy Tan, either documentary, the conversation we witnessed, or what you guys read of her works? Well, she talked about this in her in the uh, conversation we saw and also I'm sure in her memoir and in the Netflix documentary but she's part of a rock band oh yeah <laughs> I forgot That's... about that yeah if you have uh, when you if you watch the documentary Megan the, the footage is pretty great yeah <laughs> pretty good. They, look, they look like they have some fun oh yeah and it's her and Stephen King and who else uh, David Barry and there's there's looks like a ton of people that's awesome. Yeah. Um, so that's fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I really enjoyed it. And I was also very pleased that you both wanted to stay for the book signing afterward. <laughs> Julia loves a book signing. I do. No, it was, it was nice to, to get to appreciate her and we didn't have a whole, we didn't really have time to talk with her because they were, I think they were they were setting up for another event so we could kind of hear the um you know the the work the people working there 
getting a little stressed about like getting people through the line faster. So we didn't really take any, take up any of her time other than to get our book signed. And, and they were taking you. some candid photos and said, thank you. Yeah. But she, I mean, she does. She and seems also, like such a lovely woman. Also, we're just scared to talk to like celebrities. Well, yes, there's that. It depends Especially on celebrity, me. but yeah, we're all kind <laughs> of introverted. Katie's the most extroverted, extroverted introvert there is. Yeah. Except that I still don't do well with celebrities. (laughs) (laughs) Something about it. That's a story for a different day. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you guys for, A, for doing that sister date of going to see Amy Tan with me. And then, B, for this uh, fun discussion about her works and her life. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm really encouraged to read more of her work. And I do intend to do that. Um, yeah, I think it'd be interesting to read both of the books that the two of you got after reading her memoir. Yeah, and I think it would be interesting to read her memoir mm-hmm. as well as the Joy Luck Club. But now that we're kind of talking about future reading, let's move into our bookends segment to close out the show. Uh, so, Julia, what what have you been reading lately? Lately, I have been reading... Um... Morbius, which I had never heard of this Marvel character before. I have um, not heard a, of it either. There's a new movie out. Um, it is. Um, he's not really a superhero. I don't know how to explain it. In the in the book I'm reading, he's not even. He's not. He's not the good guy um he's always fighting like spider-man or somebody like he's he's the villain um and i just have to say i have read a couple of these they're called marvel verse and it's basically like gives you like just kind of like a background of a character like usually when there's like origin a story a, a origin story usually when there's like a movie or a show coming out like there's one out for moon Knight, and there was one that came out for the scarlet witch and wanda uh not wanda but um vision vision yeah um and i just they're always real heavy on the like old original like God bless Stan Lee and for all of his creativity and all of those people that helped create this world of Marvel. But holy cow, were they wordy. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I just cannot. Like, it (laughs) takes me a long time to get through those old ones because they're not even, like, visually appealing because they could only use four colors. Um. Like, I can appreciate all of the work and the pioneering that they did, but I just it's don't come a long read way. It. it has come a long yeah. way. Storytelling, the art, everything has come a long way, and it's a lot more appealing these days. Um, but again, so thank wait, you is, for everything you've done. Yeah. Is Morbius an older character, or is it something new? Um, well, the the movie is new. Um, and I don't even know how to, I, like, honestly, I read it and it didn't even really explain how he became a vampire or one of the living dead. They don't even huh. say vampire. He's one of the living dead, but he's basically a vampire. 
So if any of the people that are listening know how Mor- Morbius became Morbius, like, please, like, let us know. Send us an email. Send us a an instant message on Instagram or something um, or direct message. Um, but, yeah, I don't necessarily recommend these Marvel first books. Katie, have you read any of them? You're saying these are written a while ago? And they're, they're like, like printed they to, them, for they're, yes, they're not familiar they with them. So no print like specific story arcs or just single issues that like are heavy on this character. Mm-hmm. Got um, it. Okay. And it can it can be in the from the way back machine or like something more recent. Um, and they're all just kind of in there together. It's not necessarily like one whole it's not all from one time period. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a collection of this is this is getting to know this character. Yeah. Got it. I yeah, no, know. I haven't tried out any of those. Have you read more than just this one? I read the um, the Scarlet Witch and Vision one. Okay. And I think those are the only two. And each time I was like, because it's like. They wrote them way back when, like a stinking soap opera. <laughs> so there is so much like, and remember back in, in issue, blah, blah, blah. They didn't trust their fans to be able to no. make connections or to reread or anything. Well, I guess they didn't, they didn't know how. Maybe. Know. I'm not an expert on it. I just. Me personally, I don't enjoy reading the older comics. They're um, they're a slog to get through. There's a there's a couple of them that I've read that I've enjoyed, but yeah, they because everything like you said the the art is is very different and they it's not as good at depicting what's actually happening as it is now. So it's very um what's the word I'm looking for like still. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just all very, I don't know. I, yeah, I, it's like it's like stagnant. It's not, um, it doesn't really convey motion or emotion very well. So there's a lot in the art that you see now that you can just tell a lot from the expressions on the characters' faces. And you don't need one of those thought bubbles of exposition like they did mm-hmm. back in those times. And yeah, it just so much more of the story is told visually than it used to be, even though there's just as many pictures and drawings as there were then. It's just that the the art has evolved to to something so different. And and there's so many different styles of it now too. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's, yeah, now it's there, there, there's really something for everybody in the comic mm-hmm. book world. And maybe for some people that is their thing, reading the old old ones. Maybe they love that. That is not for me. <laughs> It's it's interesting to see how it's changed. It's but I I do I relate more to more contemporary storylines for sure. But speaking of comic books, I do want to mention next month on May seventh is Free Comic Book Day. So Ooh. definitely check out the the website for Free Comic Book Day because there is a list of all the comics that are going to be out. And then get the heck out to your local comic book store. There's a comic book store locator on there on that website as well. So you'll be able Zero to find. Zero excuses. Yep. Go out and support your local comic book stores. 
Nice shout out. <laughs> and then just to finish up, I'm actually reading a book that I am enjoying. Um, it is called The Paris Apartment by Lucy Foley, and it's um, it's a mystery. And set in Paris. Preparation for our May murder mystery May. Is that what we called it? Isn't it? Yes. I had that forethought. (laughs) Murder mystery mayhem. Yeah. Should maybe at the end we will we will um, give a little explanation of that and what book we are reading for that. Mm -hmm. Do we know? Perhaps we shall. I thought we had decided. It's a mystery to Megan. That is true. (laughs) We're so prepared. Don't. I'm going to cut that out. Don't say stuff like that. Okay. I figured you would. All right. That's the one. Do you remember Megan? Oh, yeah. I remember now. All right. Uh, did you have any other books you wanted to talk about, Julia? Uh, no, the other main book I, I read was The Joylet Club, and we've already talked about that, so. There you go. All right, Katie, did you want to go next, or do you want me to go? I can go. Um, I haven't gotten through a ton of books since our uh, the last time we, we talked about this. I finished, it took me a while, but I finished Spinning Straw into Gold. I really took my time with that because it felt like there was always so much to unpack that and I read it slowly and reflected before moving on to the next chapter. So that one that one was one that I, I marinated on for a while. Um, and then I read two Jeff Lemire books. One of them was called Frog Catchers, which was a really quick read. It took me maybe 15 minutes. It's a graphic novel, um, but it's one of one of his shorter works and it's it depicts the experience of a man at the end of his life um, and some of the things going through his head, kind of his, his life flashing before his eyes and um, some, some really interesting imagery with that. So I, I really enjoyed reading that. Uh, and I also read, I think Julie read this too, Moon Knight by Jeff Lemire, uh, which is going to be in preparation for our comic book club coming up this week. And it's also and the reason we chose it is because the the Moon Knight series has started on on Disney Plus, the which is a, he's a Marvel character, and it's a really interesting storyline. Um, it and I don't know how much it, I haven't watched any of the series yet, so I don't know how similar it is to that. But this is definitely a character who is coping with some mental health. Uh, challenges. He's got multiple identities and realities and personalities that he's shifting in and out of. And as the reader, it's it's quite a ride because you don't know which one of them is real, really at any point. Um, so it, it's a really interesting exploration into that. Um, I, I have no idea how how accurate is accurate it is to someone's actual experience of going through that, but it's it's an interesting representation of it and how that could how that could be considered a superpower. That's what I've read. Nice. Um, 
So I listened to Malibu Rising by Taylor Jenkins Reid. I listened to it on the Libby app. um, And I found the book because I also read The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo, also by Taylor Jenkins Reid. And I really liked the way she wrote it. So I wanted to read or listen to um, more of her more of her books, and I found Malibu Rising. It was on the the Lucky Day shelf in Libby. So, and I was pleasantly surprised. It was like not a sequel or a prequel or anything to Evelyn Hugo, but it was definitely like you know how the Marvel verse has like their stories. You can tell they're in the same universe, and like mm-hmm. there's some of the similar characters that cross over. Not necessarily like huge characters or anything like that, but. Um, there was a bit of that in it, so that was kind of fun. Um, it's not a superhero story or anything. It just they there were some of the the same characters, and I'm not actually sure which book came, wh- which one was written first. So I'm not sure whether, yeah, I don't know which one came first. But I liked them both a lot. And Julie, I feel like you would really like both of them, um, especially the Seven Hus- Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. But uh, that one was really fun. And then what I'm currently reading is the uh, Nevermore Trials of Morgan Morgan Crow. Um, Julie, was that your uh, your uh, New Year's resolution book for last year? Yep. And you didn't love it, right? I, I thought it was okay. It was okay. I'm reading it right now for um, the the Battle of the Books. I'm the coach for my my school's Battle of the Books team, um, and it's our book for our third battle. And I'm about halfway through it, and I'm enjoying it um yeah i i think i would have liked it a lot more if i read it as a middle schooler than as an adult but i am definitely enjoying it there's a lot of parallels to like harry potter and um the types of books that i loved growing up so i can definitely see why my my kids are in the in the club are enjoying this one a lot more than the the first two books that we read so i feel like that's kind of why i was like meh because it yeah. was very similar to a lot of other books that I liked a lot more. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Next month, we are going to have an episode of Murder Mystery Mayhem. So we're going to all read uh, a book. And it's also, as Julia said before, free comic book month. Um or is it free comic book month or just free, free comic, comic book, day? book day? It is the but month May that free comic book occurs. day takes place. Yes. The first Saturday in May every year, usually. Yes. So Julia, being the amazing librarian that she is, found the perfect choice for us to read to celebrate both Murder Mystery May and free comic book day. Um, what's it called, Joel? We are going to read Birds of Prey, Murder and Mystery by Gail Simone and Ed Bennis. And it is a graphic novel, so it, it has both the, the murder mystery and the, the comic book side to it. So if you are interested and uh, want to read along, um, go get yourself a copy. Absolutely. And until next time, everybody, let's read, share, and repeat. Bye. 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 That brings us to a close on this chapter of Sibling Library. Thank you for listening. Until next time, let's read, share, and repeat.